It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who will win. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans. Where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OH! And welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I am Buckeye Boggs. That man over there is the wild man, Chris Wilds. And this is our Penn State Nittany Lion 2023 preview. Chris, James Franklin has been there a while. He's not won a whole heck of a lot as far as championships, but he came into a program that needed some stability and that is exactly what that man has offered that program. And they have been building for this season. The recruiting he has done in 2021, 2022, 2023 is all led up to this season. A lot of those juniors and seniors are in the prime. And they've got a young gunslinger from Ohio who they are counting on to lead them to the promised land. The only question is... Can they overcome the Ohio State and the team from Ann Arbor this season? They couldn't do it last year, but if they can do it this year, they can at least interrupt the pecking order in the Big Ten and maybe compete for a Big Ten championship this season. But before we get into all of that and we give you our predictions, as well as a great interview with Alec from the Booze, bets, and ball, the Penn State football podcast. Let's talk about what Penn State did last year, shall we? Let's do it. So, historically, Penn State uh, uh, has a record of 920 wins, 406 losses, only 42 ties, 688 win percentage, which is one of the best in all of college football. Their bowl record is an impressive 31, 19, and 2, and they do have five conference titles, four of which have been in the Big Ten since they joined the conference. They play their home games in Beaver Stadium and University Park, Pennsylvania, where 106,400 and I guess it's 57, and we'll just say that too is a point two. It's a point two. It's a midget, okay? There's a midget. He, he goes to Penn State games. Midget, you're going to get us canceled. Oh, I'm sorry. Little person. My goodness. James Franklin's entering his 10th season uh, with Penn State. And last year, they were 11-2 and overall, 7-2 and in the Big Ten. 
Last season, they opened up the season on the road in Purdue, where they won in thrilling fashion, 35-31. to They defeated the Bobcats of Ohio University, 46-10. They thumped Auburn, 41-12. And by the way, that was a home-and-home with Auburn. Last year, they went down south and did it in SEC country. They went 2-0 against uh, the Tigers in the two seasons they played them. 33-14 against Central Michigan. How about that? Central Michigan played to a closer game against Penn State in Beaver Stadium than Auburn did in their home stadium. Yeah, let that sink in. They lost and Ann Arbor uh, after beating Northwestern 17-7 and to go 5-0 and in the season. They traveled up to Ann Arbor and got shellacked 41-17. Against Minnesota at home, they came back and won 45-17 before uh, hosting uh, our Buckeyes and losing in a close one, 44-31, in a game that JTT basically won on his own. Indiana was a 45-14 win. Maryland was a 30-0 thumping. Rutgers, 55-10 win. Michigan State, 35-16 to round out the regular season at 10-2 and and then went on to the Rose Bowl where they defeated Utah 35-21. to Last year, Vegas said they were an 8-12 and football team. Chris, you and I both said you better take the under at 6-6. Six and six. We were wrong. Horribly wrong, yeah, They Chris. were much better last year than we gave them you know, any credit for. I thought that there was an opportunity that they would lose to Purdue and that their season would go in the crapper early and that they would turn the ball and the season over to Drew Aller and let him take his thumps and bruises last year and that he would be ready to rock and roll this season. And if you recall, Kevin said, there's a very good chance you might be right, Eric, but they were just too good to do that. That might come back to haunt them this season, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh... – you know, Clifford got out there, had a okay season, and, uh, you know, obviously let him do a Rose Bowl win. But I really feel like had they been looking to the future, they might have suffered a few more losses last year. But right out of the gate this year, they would have been in a much better position. They are in a very similar position as Ohio State is this year. Yes, they are. Breaking in a new quarterback against another Big Ten team who's got a returning veteran in J.J. McCarthy. And that gives that gives the team for Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor a leg up in this three-horse race here. And if, if McCarthy was actually as good as, as his average numbers stated. Okay, but, I, know, I know that you and I have broke that down, and we're going to do that when we preview uh, that team. But, you know, he does have an advantage over Ohio State in a sense. He's got a very experienced line coming back, Eric. Very, and we're going to break into that too. But first, let's get the perspective from a Penn State guy from a Big Banter Penn State podcast. It's the Booze, Bets, and Ball, a Penn State podcast with Alec. Alec, tell us about your team, shall you? And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. And as you can see, we are joined by our special guest, Alec, from the Booze, Booze, and 
what is this again? <laughs> Booze, bets, and ball. Penn bets. State podcast. Yeah, bets. there you go. Yeah. Bets. That one. Yeah, that's that's his that's his thing. Bets. <laughs> He's the gambler. Booze, bets, and ball. A Penn yeah. State podcast. Awesome. So, in the past, we we have had um, Sean, our Michigan fan, and yeah. Kevin, our Penn State fan, uh, help us out with previewing. Penn State and Michigan, obviously, and it's awesome to be part of Big Banter yep. and have other podcasts like ourselves uh, come on the show and preview their teams. And so that's what we're going to do tonight with Alec. Uh, Chris, fire away. Let's just fire some questions at Alec here tonight. <laughs> Let's go. <clears throat> All right, Alec. First question about is about uh, James Franklin. How does the fan base view James Franklin? Yeah, you know this question I get all the time whenever I come on another team show. Cause I think everyone is just so interested in him because he's so polarizing and all that. But, you know, I, I think most appreciate the job he's done so far, especially, you know, the situation he came into where, you know, no one wanted to touch the program. It was hard to get recruits to come there. Uh, you know, coaches ran all over the place. So it, you know, it wasn't easy to get people to buy into what he was doing. And by year three to have, you know, the scholarships back to normal, win the Big Ten Conference in year three, and then go on, have three more 11 win seasons after that, win three New Year's, New Year's Six games. You know, a lot of people are happy with the job he's done, you know, from that aspect. But I, I think the two Ohio State games in 2017, 2018 is when people started to sour a little bit. Uh, just blown those big leads. A lot of people started to question in-game stuff. And then they kind of bounced back a little bit in 2019. They lose that Minnesota game. It starts again. And then 2021 were just so bad for them that people were really down. And I don't know if he was on the hot seat, but you know, by the end of 2021, a lot of people were questioning if they had already peaked and what was going to happen. And then this past season... Yeah, they lost to Ohio State in Michigan, but they bounced back, beat everyone else soundly, beat a really good Utah team by double digits in the Rose Bowl. And all of a sudden, people are talking about their you know three first-round picks uh, in this draft possibly on the roster, and then as many as five uh, the following year on the roster. So the hype is back, but I, I will say that a lot of people probably want to see something better within the next two years. I just you know talked about the talent that's there. I think... 10 and two is no longer good. And I was on a, another podcast not too long ago and they made the comparison to Mark Rick at Ohio at uh, Georgia, where it was like, you know, you're always constantly good, but nothing ever got better than good. And I think some people are worried it's headed that way. So I think he pretty much has the next two seasons to, you know, quiet that and reach the college football playoff, which is pretty much what he has to do to kind of get that narrative to go away. Yeah, I, I get that because I'm telling you, you're looking at somebody who at times has screamed for the head of Ryan Day and he hasn't done too bad. So Right. <laughs> you know, it's 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 funny. Um and we're gonna get into this in, in some of the other questions. Mm -hmm. I really feel that Penn State and Ohio State have a lot in common. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we both have legendary football coaches. Um, we both have iconic I don't want to use the word plain because I'll use the word clean, iconic, clean looks as far as just the jerseys, mm -hmm. huge, iconic stadiums, 
there's just so much in common. And a lot of people don't know, and I don't know if you know this, Alec, you're pretty, you look like you're a pretty young guy. <laughs> Back in the day, before Penn State was a part of the Big Ten, they were we were recruiting rivals, even though we hardly ever played. Mm-hmm. Um, Woody, Woody coached against, uh, Joe Paul back in the seventies for a home and home series. But outside of that, they wouldn't schedule one another because they ran into each other so yeah. much in recruiting between Ohio and Pennsylvania. And there was an all-star game between the two states, the Ohio, mm-hmm. the Ohio state, Penn state, East West all-star game, which was the, which was a big deal in the 60s 70s and 80s and so there's a lot of commonality between our two programs i think there's a lot of respect between the two programs that we do not share with the team that's north of us so um so you know one of the things that i want to get into with you and we'll we'll ask this here in a little bit but you guys have one of our high school quarterbacks yeah (laughs) drew aller is he's a northeast ohio kid Went to a legendary high school up there in Maslin. Was a very highly recruited quarterback that, you know, Ryan Day never kind of went after him. Kind of avoided him. I think he thought he was going to get someone bigger. Um, and and, then, and that, for the last couple of years, has fallen through. The first guy who's committed is decommitted. And then we've had to go to plan B. Um, and if you've noticed this year in the 2025 class, we already jumped on the number one quarterback from the state of Ohio. Yeah. So we're not going to let that happen again. <laughs> I think he learned his lesson. But what does the fan base think of Drew Aller? What are your expectations for the Ohio kid signal caller? Another Ohio kid signal caller yeah, I, for you guys. And I was going to say, Penn State has a chance to have the starting quarterback of the team be from Ohio for six to eight straight years because the 24 commit, is also an Ohio quarterback. Yeah, Ethan Grunkmeyer is a four-star. Mm-hmm. He's also from Ohio, and he works out with the same passing coach as Aller, actually. But, you know, to get back to Aller, everyone loves him. Uh, you know, I was saying the second Drew Aller threw – or not through Drew Aller, Sean Clifford threw an incompletion in the first home game last year, the student section was chan- – started Aller chants. You know, every <laughs> everyone – some of it was a little ridiculous. Uh, it was funny – to a degree, but then they're, you know, it's shaking your head like what's going on here. But everyone loves this kid. Uh, the expectations are probably pretty high. A, a lot of people wanted him after the loss to Ohio State last year when, you know, you're pretty much knocked out of a Big Ten title contention to just start the last four games. And, you know, Penn State decided to go against that. Clifford started them, they won them, ended up in the Rose Bowl. And Aller still played a lot, so I think they kind of got a nice mix of both where they won now but also set themselves up nicely for the future. So I kind of like what they did at the end there. But a, a lot of people just want him to be marginally better than Clifford, I think is what it comes down to. It's it, it's I, I look at the Ohio State game from last year, and Clifford started off really bad. He threw the two picks. And then for three quarters, he was lights out had 280 yards i think and a couple touchdowns and then at the end it was back to what it was in the first quarter and you know that's kind of why they lost the game and i think a lot of people are just looking for aller to be the guy that was in the middle there for those two and a half three quarters and not have the other stuff i I think that's what most people are looking for him to be um 
I think the deep ball is something we'll see more. When Penn State was really successful on offense in 2016, 2017, they went downfield a lot. I think it helped that you had Mike Jacecki and Chris Godwin, two really good NFL players to throw the ball downfield to. Uh, Penn State doesn't really have those guys right now on at receiver and tight end, but I, I think just getting downfield more will help them. And Aller has a bigger arm than Clifford, so I think you know the hope is that they will go downfield more. I'm a little interested to see his accuracy. A lot of people did not like Clifford. They thought he, you know, overthrew and missed a lot of easy passes. A lot of people are surprised when they find out that Clifford actually has the highest completion percentage in program history. Uh, many people don't know that. So Aller, if he can just be around there, maybe completion wise, 60%, but it's just about being a difference maker in the big games where, you know, the Minnesota game in 2019, a game that gets looked at a lot where people first started dislike Clifford because he was eight and zero going into that game, turned the ball over three times. And I think people are just looking for Aller to not, you know, do that. Just, take care of the ball in the big games and make the crazy, you know, the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence type winning play in big games that other five-star quarterbacks have made before is kind of what people want out of Aller. Yeah. Well, you know what? Don't, don't get down on Clifford too much about that Ohio state game last year, because yeah, let me tell you, it was not his fault. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that was the single greatest defensive performance by a single player. I think I have ever seen in my, my 50 years yeah in person yeah, for was... me for sure yeah <laughs> that was that was impressive uh you know i think a big thing too is penn state's tightened up the tackle spots this year uh, i think that'll help i don't think that same situation will happen again and yeah that wasn't all on clifford but at the same time it's like just don't turn you know people just don't want the turnovers in the big games which yeah. seem to follow him where in the other 10 11 games of the season he's pretty good with the ball and then it's just those one or two games where it's three or four turnovers and it kind of nukes the game for them. Well, I'll tell you, you talked about the big game, so let's get to it. Is it Big Ten championship <laughs> or bust this season? It, I can't say championship or bust when you haven't been there since 2016. I just think that's an unfair assessment for them and you know unfair expectations right now, but I, they definitely are capable of it. I will say that. Uh, the talent is there for them to do it and – I think a lot of people would wish Aller was a year older because the, the youngest starting offensive lineman is a true junior. The receivers are a senior, a redshirt, a redshirt sophomore, and a fifth-year senior transfer from Kent State. The starting tight end is a redshirt junior. The two running backs are sophomores, but they played every game last year. And the defensive line, the secondary, has four guys that are going to be out of eligibility after the year. Uh, you lose both of your starting defensive ends. Like the, the rest of the talent is there. It's just, is Aller ready this early to go and get it is kind of what it comes down to. And I, I like, I think they are definitely capable of winning the big 10, but I don't think the, the other thing is that there's that, that scenario where Michigan, Ohio State and Penn State could all be 11 to one. And then it, my, that's yeah, what we're predicting. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, Chris and I have both said we think there's four 11 and one teams at the yeah. end of the season. I, Wisconsin could also possibly be in there, mm -hmm. I think, too. Um, so that's where it comes down to. You could be 11 and one, but with how weird those tiebreakers are going to be, especially because Penn State plays Northwestern, who I don't think Michigan or Ohio State do. And, you know, obviously with everything that's gone on there, I'd be surprised if that team won a Big Ten game. Right. So if they're 0 and 9, Penn State's uh, 
strength of schedule percentage or you know opponent win percentage, whatever it is, goes down significantly compared to the other two. So Penn State could be 11-1, but playing Northwestern instead of someone like Purdue who could win six or seven games is kind of a problem for them. So as much – it's weird because it's not – championship or bust by the simple fact that you could go 11-1 and and it not be your fault that you didn't get in the Big Ten championship game. If you go 11-1, and there is a very real possibility, hear me out, Yeah. that the two teams that go 11-1 and and don't go to the Big Ten championship game and then the other 11-1 team, and if Wisconsin is 11-1 and the East is 11-1, that's an elimination game. You could have three Big Ten teams in the college football playoff. That is conceivable. Yeah. It I, really is. I think it is, too. I just kind of look at who's home, who's away. Uh, Michigan struggles at Penn State a lot more than, obviously, they do playing Penn State in Ann Arbor. Penn State really struggles to play in the shoe. And, you know, la- the last time Ohio State went up to Ann Arbor, they struggled there pretty bad. Let's not, so, let's not talk about that. I know. That. <laughs> I, I apologize. But I'm just, the, way, the way it's set up this year, it's like the teams that struggle where – they struggle yes. are, are playing there. So the the scenario for 11-1 is a lot more likely this season, I feel like, just based off of that. Yeah, I agree with you, man. So let's let's talk a little bit about what the Big Ten has done. Of course, now that Oregon and Washington's here, <laughs> does this even matter anymore? I don't know. I don't know. But, but how crazy was it that they did not give you guys any rivals? And as Ohio State fans – and all the former players were irate about this. The Ohio State players, the fans, yeah. they're like, dude, Penn State has been, and, and for the longest time up until the last couple of years, right. the better rival for us. Um, it, it went back and forth a little bit. And the 90s were crazy good yeah. back and forth. <laughs> you know, I still have nightmares of Kajana Carter uh, running yeah. all over us. Um, you know, so... That being said, as a at, what, what was the reaction that you had from the Penn State faithful about all that? Uh, a lot of it was surprise. I would say I, I think a lot of people thought that they were going to get locked into a Maryland protected rivalry. Actually, so there's a little surprise that that didn't happen. The Ohio State one, I think a lot of people were shocked there. Uh, Michigan State was another one just because of the Land Grant Trophy game they always play for. So that, that was another one. I think people were surprised weren't wasn't protected. So kind of those two. Uh, were definitely the ones I think people were looking for. A lot of people were expecting a Maryland or a Rutgers, honestly. But, you know, I think people are happy those two didn't happen, but then also upset that you didn't get either of Ohio State or Michigan State. So, yeah, that was a little surprising. Uh, You know, Penn State has a good rivalry going with Iowa, too, but I just think Iowa has those other matchups with Nebraska and Wisconsin. Iowa has a rivalry with everybody. Yeah, you know, Penn State and I have gone back and forth a lot lately. Most of it has to do with what happened when Penn State went out there in 2021. But yeah, that that was another one I thought people would think like a sneaky add-in for protected rivalry. But the fact that they had uh, none was really shocking to a lot of us. Yeah, so I'll tell you, I I think they're going to have to redo some of this given the fact that we've had some expansion. Mm -hmm. Um, we, We talked about expansion on our last show. What do the Penn State fans and yourself as a uh, someone who covers Penn State think of the expansion? I mean, o- overall, it's pretty crazy. Uh, the, the Pac-12 is pretty much gone and overnight, which is nuts. I, I will say, I think if you asked, you know, people within the Penn State program how they feel about it, I think they like it because it gives them more exposure 
on the West Coast. I know like Ohio State recruits pretty well in California and Arizona. Penn State does not. So just being able to go out there and play might help them with a couple more recruits a year out there, which I, I think they will like. I think the opportunity to just play other big teams, you know, Oregon and Washington have been pretty good over the last decade or so. So just getting more competition and not people pointing at the fact that, you know, four of your wins a year came against Rutgers, Indiana, Northwestern, you know, Maryland, stuff like that. Just being able to play more better teams, I, I think will also help, you know, help the strength of schedule, obviously, when you try to make a playoff run, especially when it turns to 12 and there's a lot of nine and three and 10 and two teams fighting for spots. So I, overall, I like it. I, I think a lot of people within the Penn State community, both fans and people within the program would agree with that too. And the number one thing probably is the West Coast exposure, a little more for the program. Yeah. Well, what is the floor and ceiling for this year's team? It, it, honestly, like give me your worst case scenario and best case scenario in 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 honest terms. Yeah. Uh, I guess worst case would be eight and four. Uh, it would start with, Aller's first Big Ten game, which would be at Illinois at 11 a.m. on on a Saturday afternoon, big noon game. I'm pretty sure. I, I I think you know if they get hung up there, where Illinois has a pretty good defensive line, Penn State probably will still be in the face that they'd like to be run first until Aller gets going. Uh, that's a game he probably has to win because Illinois is a little weaker in the secondary. I think they lost three guys to the draft last year, mm -hmm. so. That's a game I think you look for him. You have to try to win. And then, you know, Penn State fans have flashbacks for when Illinois had eight, nine guys on the line and Penn State was in their normal 4-3 defense and Illinois just ran all over them in 2021. I think people are worried about that happening again. So that's a game to watch. I, that's a game they should win, but, you know, the recipe is also there for that to be a little messy. And then the next week having Iowa in the whiteout, that, that's when like, they could – lose i guess and then obviously just not coming close to ohio state and michigan in those two big matchups but you know the flip side i think 11 and 1 12 and 0 obviously i i don't see it just because of how good michigan and ohio state are and you're also having a dodge landmine games like illinois and iowa so i would not say 12 and 0 is the ceiling i'm pretty safe with 11 and 1 being the ceiling but i do think making the college football playoff is the ceiling? I don't. I don't know what would have. I'd have to see the matchup. I don't think they'd win the national championship, but I think you know, depending on who the other team was, they played in the the semifinal. They could make the game, but mm -hmm. that that would kind of be the ceiling for me. And then I think eight and four is a very unlikely, but you have to talk about it as a floor. I think if you're going to put a floor on it, nine and three, I think would be a little safer. But you know, those four games plus. Michigan State's always weird. I know it's neutral site inside this year, so that helps Penn State a little bit. But, you know, there's some games where some teams they've struggled against in the past that they have to play outside of just Ohio State and Michigan. So have to keep an eye on those games. But I, I do think the ceiling is for them to make a run in the college football playoff. Yeah. You know, there's this weird feeling with fans, like if 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 you're going to go to the college football playoff and lose, you'd rather go to like the Rose Bowl. Yeah, man. I've heard that. Yeah. I, no, you know what? If you get a chance to go, shoot your shot, man. Yeah. That, that's know? how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Step if you lose, chair. you got there. You got there. <laughs> you're never going to, you're never going to make that shot if you never shoot it. Right. So I agree with you know, that. Yeah. You know, you brought up the whiteout. Chris has got a good whiteout question yeah. for you. 
Yeah, so why is it that Penn State actually tends to struggle during their whiteout games? <laughs> uh, struggle? I don't know how much I'd say struggle. I mean, they are 10-8, and eight, which isn't exactly a fantastic record. I'll say five of those losses were actually one-score games. Uh, they always It always is the toughest opponent, too, which you have to put into perspective. And Penn State was, as we know, pretty bad from – 2012 to 2015 those teams just did not have talent and they were one and three i think in those years uh with an overtime crazy three four overtime win over michigan being the one win it you know two of those two of the eight losses were actually to the eventual national championship alabama in 2011 and then ohio state in 14 so it's not like they lost to some slouches in those games either um they are 4-1, though, since 2016 when they beat Ohio State, with the only loss being that one loss, that one point Ohio State loss in 2018. So I'd say since James Franklin kind of got them going again, they've been pretty good in the wideout. I, there was definitely a time there where they struggled in the game, uh, those middle years kind of, but now I, th- I think they're rolling a little bit. I, I, you know, I guess it's kind of a – it's not their fault because of the way the TV deals were set up, but they had to make it – Minnesota last year, who, yeah. you know, a nine-win team, but not Ohio State. And they had to make it Iowa this year, who I think it might have been anyway over Michigan because the Michigan game is at 12. So, mm-hmm. you know, in a way, it's not totally their fault about what game it's become, but it's helped the record, obviously, a little bit last year. <laughs> but I, I, I do see the argument that, you know, in the 18 games, maybe you think they'd win 14 of them. But at 10 and 8 looks bad on the surface but when you dig a little deeper into it it's not as bad as it seems uh you know from our perspective i guess so so alec brought the receipts to our little jab did you catch that (laughs) he brought the receipts well done me well done young man um you know it's on my bucket list it chris and i want to go to a whiteout game as Buckeye fans, we want that. We want to feel that and experience that as fans. Uh, our, our our mutual and friend Kevin, jerseys. yeah, <laughs> our mutual friend Kevin says there's nothing like it. He's a huge. Uh, he's been to been to a couple. Huge Penn State fan. Um, every player who's ever played in that game will tell you it's the loudest they've ever experienced as an athlete. Yeah. Um, so that that just is something that you should hang your hat on as a fan that that is unmatched in college football. There's nothing like it. Every player has said it. Even Ohio State players are like it's nothing like it. It's it's just the it's a crazy atmosphere. Yeah. Um so that being said, I ask you this question and I I don't want you to give me the obvious answer, okay? <laughs> we all know what it would be. Yeah. Okay, we're just going to avoid that topic. <laughs> all right, never happened. Um by the way, you guys Buckeye fans want that statue back up, by the way. We we yeah, I know I know you guys yeah. do too. We want to see Joe Paul's statue back up. I I love that documentary about trying to find it. Have you seen that? In, I, in, in, <laughs> I, I've seen I've read articles on it in that. Yeah. 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 So that being said, if you as a Penn State fan could change one thing in the past about your program, not being that one thing. <laughs> What would Alec change and why? Yeah, the the past thing was interesting. Uh, just because they they always seemed so good. I don't know. Maybe join the Big Ten earlier. Maybe maybe that would give you some more you credit go. 
more credit, I feel like, winning a couple more Big Ten titles. I know, you know, it might not matter now, but I think it would have helped them to join a conference earlier because one of the things James Franklin talked about when he got here was kind of how outdated everything was. And I think being an independent for so long, Penn State didn't really compare itself to other programs when it came to facilities and that kind of stuff because they were just kind of out doing their own thing. I think if you were in a conference earlier and you saw on a consistent basis the same schools and what their practice facility looked like, what their dorms looked like, you know, the resources they had for their players, I think Penn State would have been a little further along in that department and James Franklin wouldn't have had to play catch up so much over the last five years. I think he's finally got it where he's wanted it. But I, I think that is something that might have helped if they were consistently comparing themselves to going to Michigan and Ohio State and Michigan State and Iowa every year and seeing what they had. That is a insightful answer, Chris. Hear, hear that, Notre Dame fans? Alec understands it. Where, where was, are you? I was just about to do a follow-up question. <laughs> do you think that's where Notre Dame is at, where you guys were in the 90s, early 90s? I, I think it's close. I think them, you know, they now that they have a series with with you guys and they play a school like USC a lot and they play FSU every once in a while, I think I think playing those big name schools has shown them more comparisons to where they they have updated. Um I they probably do need to eventually join a conference in order to keep up, especially with the way things are going right now where it's all about TV deals and getting probably closer to just three mega conferences that will probably eventually become two. So I do think it would benefit Ohio or Notre Dame to get in there sooner or later. And who wouldn't want to see a Notre Dame Penn state game? I, I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. a lot of people have said that, you know, that might be a team why Penn state didn't get a protected rival that the big 10 was waiting on Notre Dame to join. I, I don't know how much to put into that, well, but that was well, something. You know, I, USC would already be in there, but yeah. Yeah, but that would be USC second because they have UCLA. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know what they're going to do about the whole protected rival things now that they have eighteen and and yeah. are we going back? Are we going back to divisions again? Yeah, I, there's too. there's just so much chaos right now on that. But yeah. Alec, where can everybody catch the? Let's see if I can get this right. <laughs> the the booze bets and ball Penn State football podcast. Yeah, so got it. You just look that up on Apple or Spotify podcasts. It'll It'll come up. Uh, if you watch, we put every show on YouTube. That's actually on my YouTube, which is Whitaker Media, because I put all my other stuff on there. I have baseball podcasts and all there, so they're all under one name. So if you want to find the podcast on YouTube, it's under Whitaker Media. If you want to find it on a podcast platform, it's just Booze, Bets, and Ball, a Penn State football podcast. Beautiful. Check it out, everybody. We will have Alec back on later in the season when Ohio State and Penn State do their matchup. Who knows? You might even see Chris over there on the Booze, Bets, and Ball podcast yeah. uh, telling you how to what booze he drinks, what bets he made, and what ball he likes. I don't know. It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> but Alec, th thank you so much for coming you on, got my it. friend. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Alec, for that. Chris, another great big banter podcast another very knowledgeable young guy who again i think the young man's got a lot of going for him and he's got a pretty pretty cool podcast pretty cool name and uh and a, and a pretty cool team to follow pretty good team that he's covering there yeah absolutely uh this is a team that i'll tell you what if you are a penn state fan you got a lot to be excited about this year because they have a lot of potential
they're going to go as far as their quarterback takes them, Eric. All right, let's look at that quarterback and the offense that is surrounding him, shall we? So, Drew Aller, the Ohio native, he's a sophomore. He's replacing Sean Clifford, as we've discussed. Sean Clifford was drafted in the NFL. Nicholas Singleton, the running back, is one of two really good running backs. I think he's the uh, A1 there. Dude is one of the better running backs in the league. Offensive line, Alec was talking about it. They are a much improved, a veteran-laden team. And Chris, don't start laughing at me. I already see you giggling over there. All right, here we go. Starts with Hunter Norzad, a redshirt senior. Sal Wormley, a redshirt senior, is also on that line. Caden Wallace, a redshirt senior. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Al Alumuia Rashanu. That is completely wrong. Fashanu. Fashanu, sorry. Fashanu. Redshirt junior. I apologize to where whatever whatever nationality he is is and country he is from. I apologize to all of you. I am uncultured swine. Landon Tangwell, a Tangwell, a redshirt sophomore. And Juice Scruggs was the one lineman drafted off of last year's team. That is a very good, big, and experienced offensive line, which has been kind of the weakness for Penn State over the past couple yeah. years. And they have shored that up. Uh, Brenton Strange is no longer there in uh, Happy Valley. He's replaced by Theo Johnson, who is a junior tight end. At the wide receiver position, Parker Washington was drafted in the NFL. You've got Keandra Lambert-Smith back. He's a senior. The fifth-year transfer uh, senior is Dante Cephas from Toledo, Ohio. And Harrison Wallace III is a redshirt sophomore wide receiver. Chris, your thoughts on the Nittany Lions offense? Yeah, Eric, I think that you're going to see James Franklin lean heavy on that run game early as, as he gives Aller a chance to develop. Uh, he's got some studs on that offensive line. And I'll tell you, don't sleep on Theo Johnson. He is a very talented tight end. Um, he could become an early favorite target of Drew Aller. Uh, you know, Cephas, pretty good receiver. Uh, as you said, he's a transfer coming in. Uh, Lambert Smith has some ability. Um, but but the wide receivers are definitely not the strength of this team at the moment. So I think they go run heavy, and I think they are a very solid defense. Uh, I think they try to play more of that ball control offense and, uh, you know, see where it carries them. I think early and, on it's going to benefit them. And, you know, Chris, we talked about this on our last podcast with Ohio State and their roster with some of what we're seeing as far as the issues with the offensive line and pass blocking is maybe you open up the pass this year by le you know leaning towards the run early in games. I see a very he run-heavy offense here, especially yeah. early. And, true and they have two very talented running backs like you yes. mentioned, Eric. With given that offensive line and given the fact that Drew Aller is as green behind the ears as he is, I, I see them really relying on the run early. Um, I think that bodes well for them offensively. All right, let's flip it over to the other side of the ball and take a look at their defense. So defensively, on the line, you got Adisa Isaac, a redshirt senior. Hakeem Seaman, a redshirt senior. Devon Ellis, a redshirt senior, and Chop Robinson, a junior, 
Uh, again, very senior laden there on your defensive line. At linebacker, Curtis Jacobs is a junior. One of my favorite in the league, Kobe King, a redshirt sophomore. And Abdul Carter, a sophomore. They're young but extremely talented linebacking core. At cornerback, Johnny Dixon, he's a redshirt senior. And no, it's not that Johnny Dixon. It's another Johnny Dixon. Um, Kalen King is a junior, and he is one of and considered one of the best, if not the best corners in the Big Ten. Of course, Joey Porter Jr. is no longer there. He's in the NFL now. At the safety position, they're going to have to try to find a way to replace Jair Brown. He also went to the NFL. They're going to start with senior Keaton Ellis first, and Jalen Reed is a junior this year. He's another good one. They brought in a couple uh, on special teams, a couple transfers. Alex Falcons is a redshirt senior kicker, and a redshirt senior uh, punter is going to be Riley Thompson. Chris, your uh, your thoughts on the defensive side of the ball for the Nittany Lions? Well, I'll tell you, Eric, this is why the offense can afford to run the ball and not have to throw a lot, because this is a very, very good defense. Um, you, you've got Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson, who I think are really, really exceptional players on that front line. Uh, you know, Abdul Carter, that kid's going to be a game changer. Uh, you know, he was... He, he was among the league leaders in sacks in the Big Ten last year uh, and really didn't play a full season. Uh, you know, Kobe King, like you said, very talented young man. And Kalen King, wow. Kalen King, you know, we we talked about him a little bit earlier this week on our show, and he's, he's a tremendous, tremendous talent at corner. I like Jalen Reed at the safety position. They have a very, very good defense. Eric, this this is going to be a three-horse race in the East. Mm-hmm. Believe it. Maybe a four-horse if you count Maryland in there. This defense doesn't have as big a names as they've had in the past, but I'm not so sure they might not be better. Absolutely. And given the fact that we see improvements on Ohio State's defensive side and the team up north is returning a lot on their defensive side – it's going to be who can break 30 in those games. Yeah. I, I believe that. And you talk, you know, you talk about Kalen King. Just for a second, you look at him. You know, everybody talked about Joey Porter Jr. last year and what a tremendous talent he was. Well, what that meant was everybody was throwing away from Joey Porter Jr. This right. kid had so much thrown at him last year. He right. learned so much last year. He is going to be tremendous this year. Yeah. And he did well. He did. Uh, was it five interceptions? Is yes, that what it was? So. I think it was. So yeah, he he's he's a good one. He's a good one. You know who can stop Marvin Harrison Jr.? Uh, can he do it? I mean, we're gonna find out. Um, and if you do, it's kind of a pick your poison there. As long as we have time to throw the football. So this is gonna be a really interesting team to watch. I I think given how good I think they are defensively and how well they have recruited. They finally have the depth that they have needed to compete with Ohio state and, and the girls from up North. Yeah. They, they, they have that depth now, and this is going to be war for those two games for all three of those teams, flat out war. And it might be won or lost in the trenches. Okay. So 
we'll get into that as we preview those games down the road. Let's take a look at their schedule this season, Chris, and come up with a consensus of what you and I think they're going to do in 2023. They start the season off on September 2nd at home against an old rival in West Virginia. I think that's a W. Mm -hmm. I agree. They then play Delaware, who will have uh, Michigan's look to them. They they have the same look as the helmet, same colors. Their blue's a little lighter. That's going to be a, a, a big win over the Blue Hens. Yeah. On the road at Illinois. Possible trap game. Could be. You got that whiteout the following week against Iowa. So. And then the following week is the whiteout against Iowa. That is two tough back-to-back Big Ten West teams that are going to challenge your physicality. Okay. I don't think I don't think Illinois is going to have the horses, and I just don't think Iowa offensively is creative enough to come in dinner during a whiteout and beat the Nittany Lions. However, like we asked Alec, you're you're only ten and eight in the whiteout games. So And this we'll isn't going to be the same Iowa personnel wise, it's not the same type of no. Iowa team we're used to seeing on offense. What Brian Ferentz does with the talent he's got, who knows? At Northwestern in week five on September 30th, that's an auto W. You have your bye week first week of October. You come home and you you warm back up against UMass at home before you come on the road to take on the Buckeyes October 24th in or 21st in the horseshoe. Interesting you get a warm-up game against UMass before you play Ohio State. That's a little Alabama-like right there, man. Very much, and probably a very smart move. You've got that bye week and UMass back-to-back to get healthy if you've got any injuries from that start to your season. Yes, correct. And if I'm not mistaken, and I don't have Ohio State's schedule right in front of me, but do we play Wisconsin the week before? The week before. Whew. Thankfully, we get that one and out. That is a physical team. You know it's going to be. Yeah, and that's going to be a night game at you know at Madison. Ooh, okay. October 28th, they get Indiana at home. That'll be a dub. Then they go on the road November 4th. Circle this one as a possible trap game at Maryland. And it's also the week before they host the Loserines. I think that Maryland game is scary trap. That's a scary trap game. They finish off with a home game on senior night on November 18th against Rutgers before traveling to... uh, Michigan State, which they I believe they play that game in Detroit in yeah, the dome. In the dome. Yeah. So it's a night game. So they're taking it to the dome. Um Vegas says nine and a half. Chris, you and I are both saying take the over this year, which means they'll probably be under <laughs> uh, given what we've done the last couple years on betting the, the Nittany Lions. We both say eleven and one. Yeah, one of the four 11-1 teams we think we're going to see in this conference this year, Eric. That's correct. I think uh, they're – who do you think their one loss is to? Their one loss comes at Ohio State, I believe. I think they get the uh, Kittens in their house. I, I think they take them down. I agree. I'm with you on that. Um, yes, so that that's our bets. It's time to find out what Brandon Jensen from Big Banter thinks in his bets. What's the smart money, Brandon? 
So I'm Brandon Jensen, uh, lead betting analyst at Big Banter Sports. Glad to be on the show. We're going to go with Penn State. Their over-under is 9.5. Over is juiced to minus 135, under at plus 115. Um, so some key points that I've been looking at is new quarterback Clifford's gone. Does Drew Alar have it in him? They have 14 returning starters in total. They get transfer Cephas out of Kent State, which I love. Um, can Alar bring it? I think he can. They have key games versus Michigan and Ohio State on the road. I feel like they split those. I feel like they're going to give Ohio State a scare, and I think they're going to do it against Michigan. Uh, they get Iowa in the whiteout. Massive. Um, but I think they get 9.5, I think 10. Uh, they could flirt with 11. I see a scenario where we get three teams at 11-1, and one, if I'm being honest with you. And I think 9.5 is the way to go. All right, Chris, final thoughts on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Go for it. Man, I'm just so excited for this Big Ten season because, you know, there is the potential to see two to three Big Ten teams in the college football playoff this year. We saw it last year. But depending on what happens with the girls down in the SEC this year, man, you have potential to, like we've talked about, have three to four 11-1 teams in the Big Ten. I think the Nittany Lions are one of them. You, you look at this, they've got a great running game. They've got a good senior-laden offensive line. They've got a very solid defense. And they've got a very smart head coach. Uh, you know, I, I think that this is a season that if you're a Big Ten fan, you just don't quite know what's going to happen. I know those girls up north, they think they know. They don't know, Eric. They don't know. They, they haven't, they, they haven't uh, let reality sink in yet. They don't know that what we do, which is, yes, they've beaten Ohio State for two years, but J.J. McCarthy's not as good as what the numbers say he is. They don't know what we know, that this Penn State team is as good as advertised, maybe better. We doubted them last year. Don't doubt them this year. They've been building to this. Like I started at the very opening of the show, Kevin, our good Penn State friend, fan, who's our friend, been on our podcast uh, multiple times in the past. He has always said it's going to be in 2023. We were all surprised that they were a year early in 2022. They won every single game on their schedule except for two the one against Ohio State and the one against the Mitten Kittens. Don't think that they don't know that and have that circled and are building towards that. This is a better Penn State team this year than what played last year, and a big reason for that will be who's under center. If Drew Aller is anything like Alex said he can be, and that is consistent, that immediately changes the dynamic of that football team because they have had anything but consistent quarterback play over the years. And the great thing is Penn State doesn't need him to go out and win a bunch of games. No. They need him to go out and not lose a bunch of games. Just, yeah, manage the games. Manage and, the football games. Put us in good positions. And there's enough athletes around you and a good enough offensive line and a tremendously good defense. They're going to win you a lot of football games that way. Can they win you 11 of them? I think they can win 11 of them. Here's the thing, Eric, and we talked about it before. This may be the best 11-win team not to see a Big Ten title game. Mm-hmm. We've because said of the, before. Because of the, yep, because of the strength of schedule, this could 
this could play out very sad for the Penn State Nittany Lions in the also, year that they're building up to. It could also play out to where they are the 11-1 team that doesn't go to the Big Ten Championship that gets invited to the CFP. And either the Mitten Kittens or the Buckeyes are 11-1 and one and don't go and don't get the chance to play for the Big Ten Championship. If Ohio State goes 11-1 and one and Penn State goes 11-1, and one, Ohio State's going to more than likely go to that Big Ten Championship game. But you know um, what? If there's a way that the Mitten Kittens don't go to the Big Ten Championship game after their debacle versus TCU last year, I could see I could see a way that they could be left out. Two years in a row, zero and two. Pretty disappointing uh, show showings there. And if um, you remember, we were locked out a year because of that. This will be the last year that that would happen. Yeah. Given the fact this is the last year for four teams, it's going to go to twelve, at least twelve in twenty twenty four. If it doesn't change even before that, I don't. I imagine it won't, but. You know, with the whole the you know realignment that's going on, and the and the fact that the Pac-12 no longer exists as we know it, uh, I wonder if the CFP is going to change with that. But this will be a very interesting year. There's going to be a lot of politicking going on if something like that were happened. But here's at the end of the day, Penn State is just like Ohio State is just like that team up north. Your destiny is in your hands. You yes. just got to go out and win them. Just got to go out and prove it, win the games. We all think that there's going to be four 11-1 Big Ten teams. That might not be the case. Someone might actually win all 12. And, you, and if you know that's the case, there's here. no argument there. You know, something else fun here, though, is this could be the first year in a long time we have seen true Big Ten football return. The brutal running games, you know, Michigan brought it back. That's one of the big reasons that Ohio State, I think, has struggled with them the last couple of years. But we may have an Ohio State team that, due to their line situation, may have to force themselves into a run-first team. You may have a, you're going to have a Penn State team that, due to their quarterback situation, is going to be a run-first team. You know, Luke Fickle, they've talked about that offense opening up, but they're going to be a run-first team. They got one of the better running backs. They got one of the better the running backs in the league. You know, Illinois, Iowa, those are going to be run for – we may see tough, hard-nosed Big Ten football back for the first time in a long time across the board. And the thing that's – the thing that is about all of those teams that you mentioned, they're they're all the top echelon teams in the Big Ten. Yeah. And they're also all – all of them are the most physical teams in the Big Ten. Um, and, you know, last year it was – you know, they Ohio State talked about you got to be more physical. We have to be more physical. And we were physical for 11 games. And when we got to that 12th game, the physicality somehow left the door. Um, it never came out of the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that fourth quarter, after a couple injuries, the physicality left again on that defense down there in the Peach Bowl. Will it be here this year? You know, only time will tell. But I know this much. When it comes to Penn State, that game is going to be physical. It oh, you always, better believe it. It always is. There's always big hitting. Penn State comes. They come ready to play. Um, Ohio State comes ready to play. The Big Ten might not say that this is a rivalry, but you better guarantee it on the field. Those players, they know this is still a rivalry. 
And this is the last opportunity these teams have to cement themselves against one another, as far as we know, unless they change the schedules again next year. That and you think who, about who's it. Gonna, who's gonna win this? Who's gonna win this final game of this rivalry for a couple years? You, you think about it. Penn State wants this bad. You you think back. You look at that schedule. Ohio State, and more specifically, JT Tuomaluau, is what kept Penn State out of the college football playoff last year. Yep. Had that game gone the other way, it would have been Penn State and not Ohio State going. You, you're exactly right. Please like, share, subscribe. Share this with your Penn State friends. Say, hey, there's a couple Buckeyes talking about our team. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? Let us know in the comments section below. Do hit the thumbs up. It absolutely does help this channel. If you haven't yet, please subscribe. Ring the bell. Get notified every time we drop a new video, which is almost daily here on the OHIO podcast. We go live every Sunday night at 8 o'clock Eastern. Come on. Join the chat. You know what? Even if you're not an Ohio State fan and you want to come on and troll us a little bit, that's all right. And only four weeks. Four weeks, Eric. We're going to be talking live on Sunday nights. The fans can call in. They can rant. They can vent. They can say what's good, what's bad, and what is ugly about Ohio State football. We're looking forward to that, guys. So make sure that you check that out. All right, guys. Until next time, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen Ohio with all your heart. Till next time, Chris. O-H. I-O. Go Bucks.